podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are... Alpha have the key, do they have the secret? Is it adios to Barcelona? South Africa's race dream over? Aston looks to bounce back once again, and are Alpine going to join the chasing pack? Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. My name is Ollie. I am um, I have relocated from my house that was overtaken by bees. So um, if it sounds different, I'm not recording where I usually am, but I am here. Um, and James McKenzie, of course, is uh, looking after his... A newborn baby so he's not with us today but we do have sam how are you i'm good i can't believe you're still going on with that that b story um not b movie is the yeah the i pun. mean uh, i mean having a few hundred bees in your house is not something that's very very enjoyable mate i can assure you um <laughs> and having to pay upwards of three grand to get rid of them is also not enjoyable well i'm sure you'll be able to make some honey well Maybe, maybe. Um, so, I say we're not, we're not quite at the uh, making jokes about it stage. Though. No, we're not. It's still very, very... I'm still sensitive about it. If there are any beekeepers that want to help me out that listen to this show, just email me, ollie at formulanerds.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love you to come and get rid of them. Um, but we also have Abby. Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thankfully, uh, there's no bees near me, so I'm thinking of you, and hopefully it'll be resolved soon for you. You really missed the uh, a chance with a, an Abby pun there. <laughs> I did, didn't I? No. Um. Oh, dear. All right, well, let's get into um, this week's latest news. So let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Abby, I'm going to hand this one over to you. So the news came out earlier this week that McLaren's ex-technical director, James Key, has now returned to the Sauber group. He's previously worked for Sauber in the past, but he's now returned as the technical director for Alfa Romeo. And he'll also be a part of the Audi Works team, given that Audi are hoping to join F1 from 2026. And Alfa Romeo put out a statement saying that James Key will join the team as its technical director starting on September 1st, 2023. James's appointment is a statement of intent for the team as Salva Motorsport prepares to become a works team in 2026. So he's switching teams and he is returning and it also means that he will be returning to work with Andreas Seidel, who, as we all know, left McLaren and has gone to Salva as the CEO. And it's all a part of helping Audi enter the sport and helping them become a works team, help Alfa Romeo progress as well. And Andreas Seidel has also said on the topic of James's return, saying his appointment is a crucial step on this journey. He will lead the transformation process of the technical side of the team, giving us the tools and direction we need to tackle for the future. 
So Key did leave McLaren earlier this year in March when the team failed to meet their target after the development over the winter. He's now going to Alpha. For Audi, do you guys think that we could see Alpha creep up the grid in the future years and seeing them progress with Key returning to them? I think we can do, but I wouldn't expect anything to happen overnight. I mean, uh, getting Key on the team is is going to be key um, to their success, but I don't think there's going to be any sort of overnight miracles here. I think it's very much the preparation, getting things in place for, for the new regulations. Sam, uh, do you think any different to that? No, I, I agree, to be fair. I think all eyes are on 2026 at this stage. That's when, you know, Audi officially kind of take over the entry um, and that's the mark that they'll be working towards. There's going to be more interest, investment and focus on those regulations than there will be on the next, you know, two and a half seasons. So that will be the real kind of point where you can start to judge uh, this project. But for, for now, I think they just will obviously want to move up the grid. Financial benefits come with that bring in talent as a, as a result of that. But I don't think it's critical that they are in the mix of even the, the, the front of the midfield um, by that point. Abby, are you expecting any miracles? No, I think it's a, it's going to be a work in progress for them. Key has said on returning to them, he said, I'm looking forward to leading the technical side of the team at one of the most critical junctures of its long history as we head towards a new and exciting future. But there is a huge amount of work ahead of them. However, he is confident that every single member working at Hinwheel will have the commitment, determination and hunger to get them to the top. What's, what's interesting as well, though, is that it'll be a real departure in the from the Sauber way of doing things with Audi. They've always been a, a small team that punches above its weight for the last 30 years that it's been in F1, really. Yes, they've had the Alfa Romeo name, but moving to Audi, the expectations change. So how they can deal with those, I think, will be really key to, to their success. So moving on, we're going to talk about a circuit that is just one of four tracks to have appeared every year on the Formula One calendar since 1991. And that is the circuit to Barcelona, Catalonia. That is the Spanish Grand Prix circuit. Now there is talk of Madrid replacing this for the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, this has been a hugely successful and popular track over the years. I think we're, we, you know what we've just seen this weekend proves that it, it it's a great track and you can have racing on there. And um, a few drivers have spoken out about this. Hamilton said that he doesn't want to lose Barcelona. Uh, he's a fan of it. And Alonso said that he's got no preference on um, where the Spanish Grand Prix is held. Um, do you guys think that from 2027, this is, uh, we may see a different uh, Grand Prix in Spain? So they're talking about Madrid. That's the that's the talk of the moment. Um, taking over from 2026. I personally... Uh, I can't see it happening. I think this is one of those long-standing circuits and it's a great track with every sort of dimension to it. And the changes that they made this year proved it, really. Yeah, exactly that. Me and Abu were saying on the, the race race review show that taking out that final um, chicane has, has revitalised the track. Uh, not just from a kind of whether it's easy enough, easier to pass people going down the, the main straight, but more from a it completely changed the strategy, the degradation, the the effects on the tyres. So that has, I think it. we need obviously longer than a year to see the impacts. This is the first time since I think 2003 that that specific layout was used. And I say that because I think Turn 9 was reprofiled. After that point, obviously the chicane came in 2007. 
So yeah, it, it was it was a good first show, um, which I'd like to see more of. With regards to Madrid, I, I think realistically F1 needs to start embracing tradition a little bit more and rejecting modernity in the sense that we're getting too many street circuits, uh, too many tilka domes. We need more flavour, uh, more kind of vernacular in the sense that each area that we go to as a championship, each circuit should have its unique flavour and feel to it. And we're starting to lose that. You know, you go to Bahrain and you've got a track that has a very similar profile to, you know, when we're going to say, you know, any of the Tilka Domes, you know, Russia was was one that they it all it's they all have those same corners and just in a different order. That's where something like the Circuit de Barcelona Catalonia has its own unique feel, which is what I think needs to be protected. For me personally, the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya is one of those tracks that deserves to be in F1. It we should we saw last weekend it can do great racing. But it's also a good test track to provide data and to bring upgrades. And I agree with Hamilton that moving to Madrid isn't necessarily the best because Hamilton said F1 needs to keep those classic circuits. And if they did move to Madrid, I believe it will be another street circuit, which when you add all the recent ones, street circuits are overtaking the calendar. And I think, like Sam said, keeping those traditional circuits is more important. For Alonso and Science. It's their home race. They both agree that keeping the Spanish Grand Prix on the calendar is essential. But science has said he doesn't care where it is as long as it's as long as there is a Spanish Grand Prix, he's happy. But I think that keeping the one in Barcelona is a lot better. And I think it like Sam said, the chicane, it's just been introduced a new format this year. There's still so much more that could happen on it. And and I just feel it's one of the ones that need to keep because it's classic like Silverstone, like Budapest, like Spielberg. Classic F1 circuits that can just provide great racing and great entertainment for fans. Yeah, one thing I also like about this track is it's right next to the sea, right? So if you travel there, you can you can you can do other things. Um, it's not too far from the airport, right? Where and Sam's gonna he's gonna like this point because Spa is a nightmare. It's a classic track, right? But travel is a nightmare. This track isn't, and I think they need to bring testing back there as well. I always liked that testing took place there. Yeah. I agree. I agree on the testing point. I think there should be testing in uh, in the circuit, the Barcelona Catalonia. Can I just say on that, Oli butchered it. I did it kind of, you know, fair enough. And Abby just it was the kind of proverbial dunking Ollie's head in the school toilet. <laughs> I didn't uh, do that badly. I said Barcelona Catalonia, but I did pause halfway through. I'd say did it. pause, but then Abby's got the th and the yeah. oh, exquisite, but also just a real yo know, dig at Ollie there. Love absolutely love that. Um, as I was saying, I, th- I, I like testing at Bahrain as well. Um, and for, to, to clarify, I think Bahrain is a fantastic circuit. I think that's where Tilka got things right. It's down the line, you know, Abu Dhabi, uh, Russia. That's where the calendar has become too homogenous in its feel. And that's an issue. So, yeah, that's why places like circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, need to be protected. Um, but actually, on Spa, it is looking like we are going to be going back in 2024, um, which 
I may be going, I may try it again, as Ollie alluded to. It's a bit of a nightmare to get to. Maybe I'll camp with my with my laptop uh, and all my stuff. Um, I'll come camping with you at Spa, Sam. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I was going to say, otherwise, maybe one of the team will let me, <laughs> let me stay in the hotel and, and catch a lift in with them. Um, but yeah, Spa looking increasingly likely to race next year as well. Obviously, it was looking like last year could potentially be the last time that we go back to Spa-Francorchamps for a while. But the reason being is that Kyle Army in South Africa is looking increasingly unlikely to be on the calendar next year. That's, again, as Spa has been kind of added year by year back onto the calendar, Kyle Army has been pushed back and back. Most recent developments are partly due, according to sources, because of Kyle Army, or rather South Africa's political alignment with Russia, obviously, given the the uh, invasion in Ukraine last year, that has made F1 feel that it's not a viable solution to go back to South Africa, which is a shame. But I do understand that thought process. It kind of is a little bit um, tone deaf if you're saying, well, we're not going to go to Russia because of X, Y, and Z, which is the right decision, but we're then going to go to a, a place that is politically aligned. Again, China, we need to kind of consider that as well. Um, you're kind of going there by proxy, aren't you, really? So, yeah, I think they need to consider that. But it makes it means that Spa is going to be around a little bit longer, which is, for most people who go, a very good thing. It is a historic racetrack. It is, as I said before, embracing tradition, rejecting modernity, not that Kyle Army is modernity. So, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts I think it's a shame that Kyle Army is not going to happen, but I'm also pleased that Spa will, therefore. Yeah, if I had to pick one, Spa or um, Kailumi, I would definitely pick Spa all day long. It's... Um... I, I, it's just a proven success, right? And I know I know we've had good graces there, but I, I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but we talk about politics and uh, it's it influencing where F1 races, um, but we race in places already that are not aligned with F1's political agenda, and I'm sort of thinking of Saudi, for example. Um, you know, that we are, we race as one, but you're racing in Saudi Arabia. So, is that the real reason? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I think if if the deal's right, F1 would progress with it. And it's not racing in Russia. It's racing in South Africa. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not too sold on that. I think it's just been one of these rumours that keeps coming up. Each year we talk about F1 going to South Africa. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much um, it's really got behind it. I think, that, you know, there's got to be talks, but how far they've ever got, I, I don't think very far. And also, yeah, given it's a historical um, example, but F1 raced in South Africa during the apartheid, so it's kind of you know exactly. Um, but I think I think I think for me the big thing is F1 needs to be in Africa, and not just South Africa. It needs to be uh, in two or three places in South Africa at the minimum. You know, if, if, if somewhere like America has three Grand Prix, which it should, absolutely because of its size and geographical influence, um, then Africa is such a, a diverse and large continent, far larger than Western maps would have you believe. I, I, I'm going to ask you, Sam, if, okay, let's say we don't go racing in South Africa. Where where, where would we go racing in, in Africa? I think that I'd want to kind of split it out. I'd want a North African race. 
somewhere like Morocco, Tunisia, somewhere like that, or Algeria. I'd also want somewhere that's kind of uh, maybe mid-African, say like Ghana or Nigeria or Kenya, somewhere kind of sub-Saharan. But then also I think South Africa would be a viable option as well. Um, and that's just off the top of my head. I'm really impressed with your knowledge of African countries and like where they are on the continent. <laughs> Abby's face was just imagining F1 in Kenya then. I could see it. Well, I'm, I'm no James McKenzie, but I'm a bit of a geography flag. <laughs> you know you're north, um, you're north in yourself. I also know that Kailami is Kailami, not Kailumi. Uh, like, it sounds like Halumi. <laughs> it does a bit, doesn't it? As soon as well, I said it, I thought, yeah. oh, oh, here we go again. <laughs> It's one of those days. You're over two. I think you should just stop talking about track names. Listen, I'm in an unfamiliar area recording today. I'm just out of my comfort zone. Abby, what do you think about this? It is a shame that the Kyle Army has seemed to have fallen through because we know like F1 has wanted to go there. Hamilton has been a huge advocate of trying to get F1 back to that. But Domina Carly has said that there are areas of the world that we want to have F1. And I think that one area that we want to develop is the African area. So whilst it's sad that Kyle Army might not return to the calendar, I do think F1 should pursue Africa because as we've said, it is a big continent. There are so many different countries that could host a race. And Apart from Antarctica, it's the only continent that doesn't host an F1 race at the moment. And it would be good to branch out. But yeah, we'll have to see. I'm glad that Spa is staying though, because that is one circuit, albeit the difficulty actually getting to it, that I do feel should remain in F1 for forever. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick pause to pay the bills and we'll be back in just a moment. So moving back quickly to the Circuit de Barcelona de Catalunya. Oh, I almost got the there. I'm quite proud of myself. Um, obviously, it was a bit of a disappointing weekend for Aston Martin. This has prompted, predictably, a sleuth of think pieces and so on and so forth about have they lost it? You know, what's going on at Aston Martin? Um, and realistically, Aston Martin themselves, Mike Crack, Fernando Alonso have come out and said, like, look, it wasn't representative. It wasn't what we would expect, but also it wasn't good enough. They're expecting major upgrades in Canada. Uh, Fernando Alonso has said that he thinks those will crush his competition. So, you know, fighting talk from him there. Um, but looking back at the weekend, um, Mike Crack kind of has said that he feels that Fernando's right to push the team um, and confirm that upgrade in Canada, uh, saying, yeah. Uh, that it will be a step. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think you've got, you know, you can't talk about Aston Martin without kind of appreciating the impact that that has on Mercedes and Ferrari. Mercedes, as we know, have moved ahead of them in the Constructors' Championship, had a particularly strong round in, Mon- in Barcelona. As I said on the show, I expect that they won't be as strong in Montreal because of um, the the layout, the characteristics of the circuit. Uh, Circuit de Gilles Villeneuve, if we want to go down the circuit name route. Um, so I think there'll be a, 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 com- a combined uh, effect of Aston Martin upgrade not being a Mercedes track, which I think could retain the order that we've seen. But also, yeah, on 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 Barcelona, Catalonia, Mike Crack points out that Alonso's difficult qualifying session did mean 
that they were kind of out of position in the race, at least with Fernando, which then snowballed and culminated in a P6 and P7, which is weird to say as a disappointing result for Aston Martin. Are you guys expecting a big step forward for Aston Martin? Do you want to see a big step forward? Where do you see this second, third, fourth challenge moving as we head into the summer season? I mean, I think I think it's worth starting off by saying they've had an incredible start to this year, right? It's not like they've suddenly lost what they've got. Um, Mercedes have made a huge step forward by by what it looked like, certainly from um, from the Spanish Grand Prix, but. There's all this talk about Alonso putting the pressure on. There's never anything about Stroll, is there? Well, why is Stroll not putting the pressure on? And what it really does just look like it's it's Alonso having to having to really push this team forward. In terms of the upgrades coming, I think potentially they've fallen back, but they just had a bad weekend. It, it's not the end of the world. You, you sometimes have bad weekends in F1, and Mercedes put, had a particularly good weekend. Um, like you said, the qualifying put them on the back foot. They were never really going to fight for the winner after that. But I don't think they need to panic. Um, if they're bringing upgrades even further, then, yeah, I, I think it's Mercedes who probably need to start panicking. Um, but for Aston Martin, you know, that. <laughs> It's still an incredible start to the year. Yes, Mercedes have just jumped jumped them in the constructors, but we're still very early in the championship. I can't see, I can't see them falling to the bottom by the end of the year. But also, it needs to be considered that generally, and we saw this last year when Mercedes are good, they capitalise on that. They are a more consistent finisher or closer than a lot of the other teams around them. Aston Martin being one of them, who are learning what it's like to be in this position again. They haven't had a car this competitive in a while. So there's that. They're not going to kind of cross every T and dot every I, every opportunity they get. Abby, do you think that potentially some of the um, panic or or fear is that Barcelona, as a, a former testing circuit, is quite a representative track? It's got a good combination of corners. Do you think that's partly why people kind of, you know, throw a bit of a panic when a team underperforms there? It could be because Barcelona is a track where teams have previously taken data and put it towards designing their cars to help improve. But for Aston Martin, like you guys have said, they've had a great start to the season. They were beating Mercedes and P6, P7, that is a great result. Like last year, if you would tell Aston Martin, you'd be getting podiums, you'd be getting points in every race. It would be a great result. But I feel like because... Mercedes brought upgrades. They then got a double podium and Aston Martin fell back. Everyone's going, oh, okay, so now Mercedes are going to beat Aston Martin and we're not going to see Alonso fight at the front anymore, which is a shame. I don't think that's the case. I think Toto Wolf is right in that for Mercedes, each upgrade is just a little step forward and it, they're not going to be fighting at the front like they were in Barcelona every weekend. And for Aston Martin, yes, it wasn't the weekend that they wanted, But Alonso did have damage in Q1, like you said, Sam. He didn't qualify as high as he would have liked. And Barcelona is a track notorious for having some challenges in overtaking. But I do feel that they will get to the front and they will fight. I think P2 in the championship will be between Aston Martin and Mercedes. And if I were to decide which team will come out on top right now, I would still say Aston Martin because of the progress that they have made over the winter coming into this season, the result they're delivering. For Alonso to be the one putting the pressure on the team, 
I feel like that's just his character. He seems more determined than Stroll, in my opinion. And I feel like he would be the one going, look, come on, I've joined this team. I've been getting podiums. We didn't have a great weekend, but we need to make sure that these upgrades continue to work and continue to push us forward. So I think Barcelona wasn't a great weekend, but they will get back to P2 undoubtedly this season. Abby, I'm going to counter you and say, I think it's Mercedes who will take P2. So we'll we'll, we'll have this conversation at the end of the year, who we, uh, whoever comes out. I think out. it's Ferrari. No, you don't. Say, you think it's Ferrari? No, I'm, to be contrarian, I'm happy to sit with that and we'll see. But... Yeah, no. Abby, could it be Alpine? Well, Alpine are have cemented fifth in the championship on 40 points because whilst they did have a difficult start to the season and some harsh but probably necessary words from Laurent Rossi, the team have now had some executive double points finishes, even with a podium in Monaco for Ocon. And after Barcelona, which was a good race for the team, both drivers now feel that Alpine have what it takes to fight further up the field because they feel that Alpine have made some huge step forwards and they just hope that it can continue. So Ockham said, what we have to remember from the last two weeks is we've scored, I've scored 90 points in two races. This we can be extremely proud of. We've made a huge step forward in terms of car pace and I'm sure we can keep that going and find an extra step in the race. Now Gasly, obviously Barcelona, wasn't a great weekend for him because... He qualified higher up the field, but then got dropped down to P10 after a penalty. And then in the race, he fell down to 14th, but got back up to P10. So only scored one point. But he still feels that Barcelona was a very good sign of performance, especially when Alpine cards are in free air. He thinks the package is there. They just need to make sure they start at the front, be more careful with any mistakes, which can ultimately penalise them. I'm sure there's the performance to clearly go and find like a top six next time. They both, they have what it takes to fight the front runners, not Red Bull, because I don't think anybody's going to be fighting Red Bull this year, but certainly Ferrari. So for me, Alpine have cemented P5. They're hopeful that they can bring the fight to Ferrari and Mercedes. Not sure whether they necessarily can. Do you guys think they can? Or do you think their fight is with McLaren and like Alfa Romeo and those further back? Pretty quick one for me. I think their fight's further back. Um uh, I can't see. I think the fight, the the, the fight behind uh, Red Bull, and I saw someone say this the other day. This would be a cracking championship if Red Bull weren't in it, right? It would be an amazing title fight, but they are. Um, so it's sort of in three categories now. And I would say, you know, with with Red Bull being one, then you've got the the higher midfield and lower midfield. I, I'd put them at the lower midfield. It's been so long since we've had like a three-way fight at the top in that kind of, um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be great, but we are where we are and you have to uh, appreciate the dominance of Red Bull, but that's not the, the the premise of the question. I think it's neither, to be honest, Abby. I think Alpine are in their own little class, their own little division. The, yeah, mid, mid midfield, um, I if they get that, if they seriously get stuff together over the rest of the season, and Ferrari continue to not, then yes, that gap pool continue to close. But I can't see that happening because I think Ferrari do just have a better car. It's just a case of pulling everything else together. Where I think Alpine would need to continue to develop the car to be in that fight. Uh, but I do think they are on race pace and qualifying pace 
very much clear of McLaren. Uh, the fact that Landon Norris is only three points behind Gasly in the championship is not representative of where they will be at the end of the year. What do you think, Abby? I actually think I agree with Sam. I don't think they have what it takes to battle Ferrari and Mercedes in that. I don't think McLaren necessarily have everything together to actually challenge Alpine during the races. They have lacked pace during some of the races this season. They've had some mistakes. They might make steps forward, but I don't think it will be enough to beat Alpine in the end when it comes to the championship. Okay, well, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, There is no F1 this weekend, as I'm sure you all know, but there is the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which will be a fantastic watch if you are needing a fix of motorsport. So make sure you check that out. Sam, are you going to be watching the 24 Hour? I'm going to try to. I've got a stag do this weekend, my first two stag do's in June. Uh, So, yeah, living it large. Uh, I'm going to try and watch some in between that. I will try. I've I've never really paid much attention to endurance racing, but I would like to get into it, obviously. Formula nerds being motorsport journalism, it would be interesting and quite essential for me to look at all aspects of motorsport. So I will try and watch it. Ollie, are you going to watch it? Hell yeah. I watch it every year. I really enjoy it. I've got to be honest, sometimes I don't really understand what's going on. Before we go, uh, there has obviously been talks that the Canadian Grand Prix may be at threat because of the wildfires across across Quebec. Um, at the moment, F1 have assured uh, the racing community and the sport that that isn't a possibility that we will be going ahead in Montreal uh, next week. But yeah, I think whilst, you know, hopefully that do- it does raise a question that we are starting to see the impact of climate change. So, yeah, food for thought. F1 obviously needs to kind of consider its place in the world in that sense. But Imola and then Canada, if both were cancelled, that doesn't look great. Um, And also kind of suggests that the calendar is somewhat too packed. But we should be in Montreal next week, so fingers crossed. And I'm sure we'll we'll give an update on the uh, new show building up to the Canadian Grand Prix. But that is all for now. Uh, Sam, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I've I've quite enjoyed the you know recording later. It's it's a, a late week new show this week, um, and I think it is quite well. I'm feeling quite chill, quite relaxed. So yeah, thanks very much for having me. You're feeling chill and relaxed because we don't have a ra- an entire race um, schedule this weekend. <laughs> yeah, my. <laughs> Typically, working in, in motorsport journalism, my favourite weeks are the ones where there's no, no, racing, no racing at all. <laughs> <laughs> and Abby, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been good recording with you guys. Good stuff. So we will see you next week. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Podcast Network.